everyone. Welcome back to the Betting Pros NFL podcast brought to you by BetMGM. I'm your host, Dan Harris, and you can find me on Twitter at DanHarris80. It is time for our early look at next week's lines, and with me to break it all down is Sean Green, the co-creator and co-host of the Sports Gambling Podcast. You can find him on Twitter at Sean T. Green. Sean, thanks for coming back on the show. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. Yeah, just a kind of crazy uh, weekend. You know, we saw a lot of big dogs win outright, and that always makes things interesting as far as uh, the next week's spreads. I have to imagine that the books had a monstrous, monstrous weekend, <laughs> right? I mean, the oh. Chiefs, nonetheless, the Chiefs, right, where everybody yes. was probably, you know, on the money line, I'm sure, and yep. taking them in parlays and stuff like that. I mean, they must have totally cleaned up this weekend. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple, there was probably like a couple sharp people who had the Dolphins and Colts, uh, or sorry, I mean, the uh, the Dolphins and Falcons money line parlayed together, but yeah. I think the Chiefs were probably in everyone's teaser. A lot of money line parlays probably got killed. And then, you know, you got the, uh, I mean, even the Dallas Cowboys at home Sunday night. I feel like that's a big public opportunity. And uh, Vikings winning outright must have hurt them. Yeah, this is how Vegas builds buildings, man. This is what it's all about. (laughs) Well, let's see how uh, this weekend, this uh, upcoming week looks. So uh, as usual, now Sean has been here twice already. I love it for the Monday show. So I don't really need to explain this to him, but I will explain it to you in case this is your first time listening. We are going to go through each game on the Week 11 slate, uh, going to be using the consensus odds over at bettingpros.com. Now, the consensus odds are just the aggregation of odds that are available in the market. So there are always differences in the various sports books. So if you're thinking about betting on any particular game, and some of the games you're going to hear, I'm sure Sean and I are going to be like, yeah, get in on that number now because it's probably going to change. You want to look at the various sports books to make sure you're getting the best odds. And if you want to see how any of the top sports betting experts are leaning on any given bet at any given time, bettingpros.com is going to show you that too. All right, Sean, let's dive in here with the Thursday night game. We've got the Steelers at the Browns. The Browns here laying two and a half, the over under at 40 and a half. Both teams coming off real big wins here. The Steelers taking care of business again at home. They sneak past the Rams largely on the strength of their defense. Meanwhile, the Browns Surprising three-point favorites uh, against the Bills, and they win by exactly that amount. Uh, there's really one impressive unit, I feel like, among these two teams, and it's the Steelers' defense. Since they added Minka Fitzpatrick, they've been a different team. Every other unit on both sides of the ball is just kind of meh, in my opinion. So how do you feel about this one? Browns laying just under a field goal at home on Thursday night, 2.5, and, and the over-under at 40.5. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is interesting. I mean, this is basically what the Bills-Browns game opened up uh, last week. It it did get to three. I'm kind of surprised it wasn't, or I guess I thought it would be closer to a pick if I was... uh, if I was uh, grading this game, because yeah, you said you nailed it. The, the one impressive unit is the Steelers defense and it's really impressive. I mean, they're creating turnovers. Uh, they're scoring on defense. Mason Rudolph has, has really struggled. I, I, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be an interesting game, but I, I'm surprised the Steelers are getting points here. I, I thought this would be closer to a pick em, but uh, I guess the public is still kind of enjoying backing the Browns. Uh, so yeah, that's probably where the two and a half comes in. Yeah, I was a little surprised by it too, but I feel like I'm usually surprised at the Browns lines. Like I feel like they always should be worse. Um, yeah. you know, especially because I feel like the general perception is from the public is that they they you know, they were all in. I say this pretty much every week, but they were all in on the Browns preseason and early on and you know, if you were a public better, your heart just has to be broken and you just got to be so off the Browns. So they make these lines I mean, I guess that make you want to pick against the Browns, but I feel like the natural inclination of the public would be 
be to pick against the Browns at this point. So I'm never sure why they're like this. And again, you know, the fact that the Steelers won, uh, you know, I, I'm not all that surprised necessarily as the game unfolded because, again, that, the Rams' offensive line, they sustained more injuries, so you saw the defense sort of go after them. But I agree with you. I did not expect to see this. It's not a huge deal if it's under, you know, the key number of three necessarily, but certainly I expected it to be closer to a pick em. Early money is coming in on the Steelers, as you might expect, um, yeah. both the number of bets and the amount of money being wagered. So I expect that that will be a popular line, and I think it's probably going to move towards the Steelers, although it probably won't make that big a difference in terms of, you know, what it actually means so long as it stays below the key number of three. Let's yeah, move on. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say it must be everyone who st- you know has all the Browns on their fantasy team, like not giving up. <laughs> I mean, if you have Odell Beckham Jr., you just have to ride the season out and hope he, he hope he goes off. But yeah. Yeah. Every week I get yelled at. You know, I I rank um for fantasy pros. I I'm a ranker and uh, you know I'm in the top ten for the season in accuracy. But every week I get people yelling at me about where I'm ranking Odell Beckham, <laughs> and it's justifiable. I get it. Well, hopefully uh, this is the beginning of a turnaround. Although. Of course, the Steelers' defense is not exactly the easiest matchup. Let's move on to the next game, which I don't think we can really talk about too much because there are no lines, as far as I'm seeing, neither on our consensus anywhere um, or on any book that I've seen, which is the Cowboys at the Lions. Um, There's no line available because we don't know who's going to be starting at quarterback right now. Um, You had Jeff Driscoll this past weekend for the Lions at quarterback in relief of Matthew Stafford, who's dealing with fractures in his back, and all I have heard is it's the, quote, good type of fracture which I don't really think that anybody who's not no. suffering from a fractured back <laughs> should be able to say that but again this is something where he's not ruled out this week and again he was only ruled out on Sunday this past week it wasn't like coming in it was like oh man it was all of a sudden it leaked on Saturday with an Ian Rappaport tweet that like oh there's serious concern about his availability and then on Sunday it was just like all right he's out so look I, you know I, I guess the the easiest way to analyze this is maybe you know you think about the Cowboys here coming off a tough loss against the Vikings as we talked about you've got to win this game if you're the Cowboys on the road at, I mean where do you expect this line to be let's assume Stafford plays at this point I mean where would you expect the line to be with the Lions at home against the Cowboys yeah I think with Stafford in there it'll probably be Cowboys like minus three somewhere around there okay. um but it, you know, once Driscoll gets announced, I wouldn't be surprised if it shoots up closer to six. Yeah. Um, and maybe, but yeah, I mean, the thing is, if Stafford does come back, he's gonna still be kind of banged up, and you gotta, you gotta be concerned that he finishes the game. So either way, I, I have a feeling a that Driscoll is gonna be named starter later in the week, and uh, b that the line will probably close closer to six, if I had to guess. Yeah, I think that's probably right. I was thinking roughly a field goal. I could see it maybe coming in under. The one thing to monitor, by the way, with the Cowboys is that Zach Martin sustained an injury yesterday. I think it was his elbow. I don't know if his availability is going to be impacted here, but any injury on that offensive line for the Cowboys kind of, right, it drastically affects how they perform. You saw it when Tyron Smith was out um, and Lel Collins. So, you know, you got to be careful there. But in the meantime, it's obviously not a game that you can really go full bore into. But I agree with that. I would expect roughly a field goal laying and another three points if Driscoll's named the starter. All right, let's move on here to the Jaguars at the Colts. Colts are laying three with the over-under at 44. We talked about it earlier. The Colts coming off an absolutely disastrous loss against the Dolphins with Brian Hoyer under center. He throws three picks. It's unclear if Jacoby Brissett is going to be back for this one. He was trending in the right direction with that MCL sprain, and then he was ruled out on Saturday night. Not sort of, you know, it was a game-time decision, but then it came out on Saturday. Now there's sort of rumors that he may not be ready for this one, which, frankly, I expected. I mean, an MCL strain 
And no matter what it is, it's not something that you can just bounce right back from. It's something where it needs to take a little time. But anyway, he is up in the air. Meanwhile, the Jaguars coming off a bye here. They're turning back to Nick Foles. There's all this uncertainty at QB, but how do you feel about a Colts laying three at home over under at 44? Yeah, this is interesting because I think last week, and you know, we talked about it on uh, my podcast that the that Brian Hoyer laying ten and a half uh, was the craziest line I've seen in a long time. I, I mean, Brian Hoyer is a huge step down from Jacoby Brissett, and it's it's interesting because I think um, at least the public's perception or the way they're handicapping these games, they haven't really handicapped uh, Jacoby Brissett as the legit starter that the guy is. They kind of are still handicapping him it seems as like a backup quarterback and there's definitely been value on the Colts early in the season and uh even here it doesn't seem again if it, if Jacoby Brissett isn't playing I I I think minus three is kind of a weird number I, I do think it'll probably close at minus three I don't see this moving one way or the other because you have Nick Foles coming off that injury and so I think they're kind of defaulting on like hey division game give them the three points but um yeah, I mean, Brian Hoyer as a favorite, is uh, that's an interesting bet for sure. So do you feel comfortable with the Colts laying three if it is Brissett? Uh, no, I wouldn't. I mean, just because I'm kind of worried about, I mean, oh, sorry, if it's Jacoby Brissett? Yeah, I yeah think, if it's Brissett. Yeah, I mean, I haven't broken down the game completely, but minus three to me makes sense if Jacoby Brissett is the starter. But if he's not, I don't think they're adjusting enough for Brian Hoyer. Yeah, I mean, right now, from what I'm looking at, You've got so much money coming in on the Jaguars at this point, <laughs> despite the fact that you know, a majority of bets are on the Colts. So my guess is that people in the know probably think that Brissett is not going to suit up. That would actually be what I think as well. Um, yeah, so, agreed. you know, for, for, for me, if I'm looking at this number and I'm, I want to get in on this game, I do it now. Because, again, if Brissett comes in, that bet looks a lot worse um, for sure. Let's move on here to our next game, the Broncos at the Vikings. The Vikings here are laying nine, and the over-under is pretty low at 38.5. Vikings coming off that huge win against the Cowboys. Despite being down Adam Thielen, they'll now, you know, they come home. They take on the Broncos before they get their bye. The Broncos, meanwhile, are with Brandon Allen last week with Joe Flacco on IR. They get the win against the Browns, doing very little on offense. Now, you know, you've got the bye coming up, of course, as I said, with the Vikings. So, you know, it should be an easy matchup. You could see this being a letdown game, right, where they're just kind of looking totally. past them. But we did say the same thing, essentially, about the Ravens kind of coming in, not with yeah, the bye yeah. coming up, right, off that giant win against the Pats, maybe looking past the Bengals. But how do you feel here? Vikings laying nine over under at 38 and a half. Yeah, I, I think it kind of makes sense uh, that they, they price it here because everyone saw the Vikings take care of the Cowboys on prime time, so that always gives you um, a little bit of added juice. The Broncos coming off the bye, that's kind of interesting. Their defense seemingly has kind of come together. Uh, yeah, you nailed it. Their their offense didn't do much, but it, it did feel like uh, Allen came in, gave them a little bit of a spark. We see that a lot of times, uh, like first-time starter comes in and, kind of exceeds expectations a little bit, then they get some film on them and they kind of shut them down. I think, I think they're not factoring in the bye week enough for the Broncos because they did have, they're going to have two weeks here to prepare for the Vikings. So I think that will help them. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if this gets bet down a little bit closer to seven, but it's certainly not going to, I think at seven, it would get pounded uh, on the Vikings. So I think it'll definitely stay at two scores. 
Yeah, I mean, it, look, it's been trending down, sort of, so that's a good call. I mean, I think the look ahead line might have been 10.5 when it first done, and even yeah. earlier today when I took a look at the consensus lines, it was 9.5, so it's clearly being bet down. I agree. I don't think it's going to get all the way down there to, like, a field goal or anything like that. It's a tough spot. I don't. This is not a game that I like, right? It's not a game where you look at it and you're like, well— you know, the Vikings, they're clearly the superior team. But again, you've got the variables, which is a very easy look-ahead spot for the Vikings. A team coming off a bye, they get an extra week to prepare not only defensively, and their defense remains strong because they wound up keeping, you know, Chris Harris, and they wound up uh, keeping Von Miller and everything like that. So so they're in a good spot here. But again, it's really tough because, you know, you don't really want to trust a Brandon Allen-led offense going in. <laughs> on so the road, isn't that? On Minnesota. the road, right. So it's a game where, you know, I don't really feel comfortable with it yet. Um, but I, I agree. It's something where, you know, I, I'm not surprised that it got bet down from a probable high of what I'm seeing of the look headline of 10 and a half. Let's move on here to the Texans at the Ravens. Ravens laying four and a half, the over-under at 50 and a half. Now, this is up the over-under, at least, from the look-ahead line, which was 49. So it's up a point and a half there. The Ravens, as we discussed, absolutely demolished the Bengals, every facet of the game. And that was coming off the monstrous win against the Patriots, again, where I kind of felt like this would be a look-ahead line. I actually liked the Bengals getting 10. That was a yeah. poor decision. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, the Texans, you know, look, they're coming off the bye after the win in London against the Jaguars. They've been banged up on the offensive line. They've also been banged up on defense in their secondary, but they're probably going to get a bit healthier here. Will Fuller is already practicing, so he may come back. So this is a pretty interesting game coming in. How do you feel about the Ravens laying four and a half with the over-under now moving up at 50 and a half? Yeah, I mean, this kind of seems like, uh, yeah, uh, probably the right price here. You got an AFC matchup. You got the, like you said, Texans coming off the bye, uh, neutral field to say the Ravens are a point and a half better. That that kind of makes sense to me. Um, certainly everyone's going to want a piece of the Ravens, but so you have to give the Texans a little bit more than a field goal to, to appetize betters there. Um, yeah. I mean, this just seems like a great game. I, I guess I'd be surprised if you get any crazy movement one way or the other. Like it feels like this is probably where the, the price is going to close. It's definitely not going to get up to a touchdown and maybe it gets down to four, three and a half, but nothing. Uh, it's definitely not going to get down to a field goal. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to close between four and five. I mean, it's going to be at one of the dead numbers where, you know, you're not going to really feel all that comfortable with whatever it's going to be. But in the end, yeah, this is a tough game. It's a really tough game. I mean, the Ravens, you know, you want to feel like maybe they're not quite as good as they've shown lately, but I think they really are. Their defense in particular is really starting to gel as they've gotten healthier at cornerback. Um, they're just playing incredibly well. And, you know, if the Texans you got to watch the Texans' offensive line right now because if they are still banged up, that's going to make it a tough day for Deshaun yeah. Watson. But yeah, yeah I mean, re- normally the rule for me is with the Texans has just been if they have the team they're playing has a pass rush and is going to get pressure on Deshaun Watson, then fade them. Uh, you know, but it's going to be interesting. I'll probably wait to like make my pick to see, like you said, the offensive line health that could be big. And the Ravens' defense seemed a little bit fraudulent early, but. Again, they've kind of figured it out lately for sure. Yeah, they've gelled. I mean, I keep waiting for that letdown game from the Ravens. Like, you know, you saw that game against the Browns earlier in the year where you just were like, oh, the Ravens are going to demolish them, and then they just kind of laid an egg. I keep waiting for that game, but I kind of now feel like I'm going to be waiting for a while to get there because they they are playing incredibly well. So this is a game where I agree if you do want to bet it, it's probably something where you need to wait as long as possible because the health of the Texans in particular is going to really determine, I think, how I feel about this game. 
Before we move on, I want to tell everybody about the sponsor of today's show, BetMGM. If you've downloaded the BetMGM Sports app and you have used our promo code and you have placed your first bet over any of the last four weeks, then you are probably a little richer now because I've offered insane boosted bets for each of the last four weeks. In week seven, if your first wager was at least a dollar on the 49ers to beat the Redskins on the money line, then you won $100 in free bets. In week eight, if your first wager was at least a dollar on Aaron Rodgers to throw a touchdown pass against the Chiefs, then you won $100 in free bets. In week nine, if your first wager was at least a dollar on the Patriots to beat the Ravens on the money line, then you still won $100 in free bets, even though the Patriots lost because the Patriots scored a point. And this past week, if you bet at least a dollar on either the Jets or the Giants to win, then you won $100 because they did not tie legitimately. Even if you bet a dollar on the Giants, you won the $100 in free bets, even though the Jets won. And BetMGM does stuff like this all the time. So you're legitimately just costing yourself free money if you don't sign up. And if you do sign up right now, you can get a free $500 bet. Just download the BetMGM Sports app and sign up using our promo code Harris. And your first bet of up to $500 is risk-free. If you lose, BetMGM will credit you the amount you lost up to $500 for future wagers. So legitimately a bet where you can't lose. And if you don't want that, I don't think you need to be listening to this podcast because you obviously do not like gambling. These winnings are paid in free bets. You must be 21 years or older. And although you can sign up and easily deposit money anywhere, you have to be in the state of New Jersey to place a sports bet and certain restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for the full list of terms and conditions. And if you've got a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, let's move on to the Jets at the Redskins. Right now, the Redskins are laying two. This opened at a pick from what I saw, and the over-under is at 37.5. But legitimately, right as we were recording, we found out that Dwayne Haskins was named the starting quarterback for not only this game, but the rest of the season for the Redskins, which certainly colors how I feel about it. But the Jets, they come off the big win against the Giants in the Battle of New Jersey. It's not an overly impressive win. They're shredded by Daniel Jones. The offense is inconsistent. And again, just coming across the wire, they've lost Chris Herndon for at least, you know, several games, if not the remainder of the season. I know he hasn't played very much, but he had started coming back. Uh, this past week. Meanwhile, the Redskins, they're coming off the bye. They'll get Darius Geis back, but it's still, you know, kind of unclear how this offense is going to be able to perform with Dwayne Haskins starting at quarterback. So how do you feel here right now? Redskins laying two over under a 37 and a half at home to the Jets. Yeah, I just, if you've watched Dwayne Haskins at all, I don't think you can make him a favorite in any sort of NFL game. Uh, so I, I pick him actually sounds closer to what it should be in my mind. And I wouldn't be surprised if it gets back down uh, to pick. I'm surprised that at pick, um, yeah, that Washington was getting enough action to move it. I, I think maybe the Haskins news will move it back down to pick or, or closer to that. I, I think if you're, if you're forcing yourself to bet and watch this game, I, I think you would talk. It's easier to build a case, I think probably for the jets um, because they've had some semblance of a team, but yeah, both these teams have had serious, serious issues. Yeah, I mean, the Redskins really, they're not a terrible team. They have a decent defensive line. The secondary is not the worst in the world. They have some playmakers on offense. I mean, Adrian Peterson has McLaren, been running yeah. well, shockingly. Terry McLaurin is, is certainly a talent. But if you've got Haskins there, he's just not ready to be an NFL QB. I don't argue with the starting him for the rest of the year. I think this is a good time now to do it. Um, especially against a team like the Jets. But in the end, I, you, I cannot in any circumstance <laughs> back a Redskins team with Dwayne Haskins. 
uh, at quarterback. I don't feel great about the Jets, but I would certainly I, I'd take them. I think if um, you know at at the line anything where they're getting points certainly or pick them or anything like that, I think I'd have to take them here because again the Jets as bad as they are, they're not quite as bad as they looked either. I mean the offensive line is terrible, but you know they have at least some talent both on offense and on defense. Jamal Adams, you know, played one of the oh, best games game. I've ever seen. <laughs> you know. Uh, this past week. So they, they have enough talent there that they can do some damage. So, you know, for me with Haskins going, if, if it was Case Keenum, I probably would favor the Redskins in this game because I really do think the downgrade is that significant. I think Haskins, honestly, is just not ready. So for me, not that, you know, when, when you're below the key numbers here, it doesn't matter all that much, but I would still get in soon. Uh, if you do like the Jets, like I do before the line moves um, even further towards the Jets. Yeah. This could be like a 17, 16 game and you're kicking yourself for not getting those free two points. Yeah. And again, it's not a huge deal, you know, once you're, you're at this point, but certainly at any point, like, look, you'd rather be getting the two than, you know, a pick em <laughs> game, of course. Uh, Falcons here at the Panthers right now, the Panthers are favored by five and a half. Now this was at six and a half when I checked earlier today. So the line has moved towards the Falcons, the over under at 51 Falcons pull off the shocking upset of the saints in new Orleans. As we talked about their defense suddenly comes to life. They basically doubled their season long sack total in just this one game, (laughs) which is crazy considering that it's drew Brees and the saints. Uh, They do suffer a few injuries on offense here. And we don't know the results of the MRIs that both players are going for. That's Devonta Freeman, who, sustains a foot or an ankle injury in Austin Hooper with his knees. So that's something you're going to want to monitor. And the Falcons are already banged up uh, at running back with Ito Smith being placed on IR. Meanwhile, the Panthers, they play the Packers tough. They gave them a, a good game. They came close to tying it in the end, but they ultimately lose in the snowy game in Green Bay. Uh, James Bradbury, who has played very well at corner, did miss this past game against Devontae Adams. So uh, he's got a groin injury. I don't know about his status coming up. So that would certainly change things a little bit with Julio Jones on tap if he can't play. The Panthers have a very strong pass defense otherwise. So how do you feel here? You know, the Falcons kind of changed the narrative on their season just a tiny bit. Um, Panthers laying four, uh, five and a half at home and the over-under at 51. Yeah, I mean, they may as well uh, dump the Gatorade on Dan Quinn after that game because that was <laughs> that was their Super Bowl, right? And we yeah. see this uh, with bad teams all the time. you got to find those couple of games per year where they're really going to show up and it's going to be, you know, it's going to be their Super Bowl. And with the Falcons in hindsight, it really makes sense that that was their Super Bowl. They're coming off a bye in a dome against a division rival. Uh, and it made sense that they really got up for this game, this game uh, against the Panthers. I think it's going to be a lot tougher for them matchup wise. And again, going outdoors uh, in Carolina, the field's going to play a little slower and Carolina is a quality team. Um, you know, I, I thought they would have, I mean, look at, they came so close to pulling it out in green Bay, uh, didn't cover, but they, they were certainly in that game the entire time. And Christian McCaffrey, I think is going to be a matchup nightmare, uh, for this Falcons team. Uh, I, I think people are talking themselves into the fact that like, Hey, the Falcons won, they're not as bad as we thought. And, that's why it's getting bet down from six and a half to five and a half. I wouldn't be surprised if it closes uh, closer to four and a half, uh, maybe even four. It's certainly not going to dip below four. And I'd be surprised. I'd be really surprised if it goes the other way and starts going up towards seven. So yeah, I think if you like the Falcons, I, I, I would probably get in now, but if you like the Panthers, I think you can probably wait a little bit. Yeah. For me, I like the Panthers. I mean, I liked them at six and a half, uh, frankly. I mean, I think this is a spot where, yeah, I mean, it's going to be, I mean, the Falcon, look, 
kudos to them. I'm not kidding. Dan Quinn legitimately every week for the past four weeks, it's been like, all right, this is the week. Quinn goes. This is it. This is it. And then they come out and they do that against the Saints, you know, who were, by the way, coming off a bye, you know. So it was really kind of unexpected there to do that. So for them to do that, that's great. But, you know, they don't have two weeks to prepare for the Panthers. The Panthers are probably going to be angry and ready to go. McCaffrey, you know, the books have been written about the Falcons' inability to cover pass-catching running backs over the past several seasons. <laughs> so, you know, McCaffrey is certainly a nightmare for them. Um, I just think that this is going to be a get-right spot for the Panthers. So either way, you know, look, if you if you like the Panthers, I mean, I agree in the end it's not getting up to a touchdown or anything like that if it does go the other way. But I agree that this, you know, is a public perception type of game where people yep. are going to be like, oh, yeah, the Falcons, right? Yeah, look at that. So I think you're probably safe to wait it out if, like me, you like the Panthers in this one. Bills at the Dolphins. Bills currently minus six and the over-under at 39. Dolphins come off the big win against the Colts, as we mentioned. They got a little juice now here, two games in a row, playing better, fits magic in full effect. Meanwhile, the Bills take the tough loss against the Browns. They have trouble getting the offense going. Josh Allen continues to be inaccurate. They, for some reason, kind of abandoned their run game earlier. You know, Devin Singletary, I believe, only got eight carries on the game. So a little bit of a strange game, but the Bills have a chance to bounce back here in Miami, laying six over under 39. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I I guess my thoughts are I'm surprised this is uh, at six. I I guess the Dolphins have quietly been just a dominant against the spread team. They've covered five weeks in a row after starting out 0-4, and they've just been continuing uh, to get big numbers. And uh, I guess I'm a little surprised that the bookmakers or the public in general, I mean, the public's kind of been backing them too as a dog. I'm surprised this is at six. I think it'll get bet down a little bit, uh, maybe. But yeah, I don't know. This is this is a tough game for me to wrap my head around as far as like why you're making Josh Allen a six point road favorite. Uh, I get it; the Bills are still a better team, but six points in Miami. I don't. I don't know. Miami has kind of quietly been a tough place to play. Uh, I feel like they do well against these division opponents late in the season. Um, yeah, we'll see, but uh, it feels a little high to me. No, nah, you know, that's interesting because to me this felt about right. I mean, I, I get it completely. You know, the Dolphins have certainly been playing well on both sides of the ball the last several weeks. I mean, they, they jumped out to that big lead in Pittsburgh uh, on Monday Night Football. You know, that's before beating the Jets and then uh, winning this past week against the Colts. Um, The Bills, you know, in the end, the first time these two teams played, it was pretty close for the most part. And then the Bills kind of ran away at the end of the game. So I could see something like that happening. But, you know, in the end, I this is a round where I kind of expected it to be. As you get these spreads, which are, you know, closer to normal now with the Dolphins yeah. rather than the crazy things that we were seeing there. If you're under a touchdown, I think I'm I'm fine with it because I think, you know, the Bills... You know, their defense, you know, as, as much as the Dolphins have been able to move the ball a little bit, I mean, they're complete. They have no running game whatsoever. I mean, you saw Kalen Balaj yesterday, you know, averaging, you know, getting 20 carries and averaging two <laughs> yards per carry is basically what you could expect from them. You know, and again, they lost Preston Williams as well. So it's basically Devontae Parker and Mike Kosicki. They just they don't have as many weapons. I feel like a couple of weeks ago, it might have been a little different, even with, you know, Kenyon Drake or even Mark Walton there. And Preston Williams, again, was playing very well. So I think given sort of the the lack of weapons that they had the bills coming off a loss where you know with the bills in their playoff push they need to win this game i'm i'm really six 
struck me as about right. So I'm interested that you felt like it was a little bit high. So if you were making it, what would you think? More like four, four and a half, something like that? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not not like crazy. I, I guess I, no. I'm just, uh, I you know, I have these moments where it's just like Ryan fits, fits magic. Like, how can you bet against this guy? So in my head, that's probably my own kind of personal bias. But you're, you're right. I mean, they're, they're a much better coach team. Um, it's kind of a little disappointing performance in Cleveland. Uh, they, you know, they should have hit that field goal. Um, yep. They definitely let some points on the board. So, yeah, I mean, they are the better team. But, yeah, six, six felt a little high. But you're right. This Dolphins team under – if it's under a touchdown is – I don't know. It's tougher to back. It was a lot easier of call these previous weeks when they were getting giant spreads. Yeah, you don't have to abandon your conviction, man. I mean, that's a totally that's a totally <laughs> no, no. I mean, technique. I guess I'm going back and forth in my head. I'm like, eh. but yeah, I, I do think it's a little high. I would say I would have if I was setting the spread, I would have set it like four and a half. Yeah, I think that's fair. And again, you know, when you're within, you know, when you're above three and below seven, it's really not that huge a deal necessarily, regardless of which way it moves. But look, in the end, it's it's roughly 50-50 right here with the money and the number of bets that are being placed. So this, you know, seems like a right around the right number here coming in. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the line moves there. Let's move on to the Saints at the Bucks. Saints here are laying five and a half with the over under at 51 and a half. Mentioned earlier, the Saints came out real flat off their bye. Their offensive line played terribly. They could not run the ball. The defense wasn't great. And now it sounds like Marshawn Lattimore is probably going to miss at least a few games with uh, what I believe is a thigh injury. Uh, meanwhile, the Bucks eke out a win against the Cardinals. You basically, you know exactly what the Bucks are going to do, essentially, in a game. It's just a matter of if Winston's turnovers are going to be deep in his own territory and get like six points for the defense or whether yep. or not they're going to be enough to not kill the game for the Bucks. They're going to put up a ton of points. They're going to stop the run. They're going to allow passing yards up the wazoo. And Winston's going to have at least one killer turnover, if not two. So look, these two teams know each other well. Thoughts at that number five and a half over under a 51 and a half in Tampa. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Maybe maybe it goes down a, a little bit. But uh, yeah, I mean, you nailed the key matchups. Normally, I wouldn't factor in a cornerback into the spread. But I think this matchup in particular, uh, Lattimore not being there is huge for the Bucks. I mean, you nailed it. They're, the way they score points is through the air uh, to Mike Evans and, uh, you know, to Godwin. And the way they, the other teams score points is also through the air when Tampa Bay throws it and they get interceptions and great field position. So a guy like Lattimore not being on the field, I think, to me, actually is worth something factoring in uh, to the spread, or at least when you're thinking about betting this game. Um, the Bucks are an interesting team because they, they played a lot away from Raymond James Stadium. So, you know, they've had eight games, but not a ton have been at home. So it's tough to kind of get a handle on how this team is at home. And then the Saints, yeah, it's one thing to have a, kind of a letdown game coming out of the bye, lost to a division opponent. But there was some stuff that was pretty troubling. Just Drew Brees' accuracy. I mean, he looked very good in that game before the bye, but uh, I don't know if the hand is bothering him, the thumb. But he, he looked pretty inaccurate. Um, and, you know, Tampa Bay is a much different place to play than inside at the Dome. So we'll be interesting uh, for sure here. Yeah, I think part of it was just that Breeze was under so much pressure, which, you know, he, he isn't often. Again, I think they sacked him six times in the game, which was 
pretty shocking again given yeah, how little pressure from the Falcons. right from the Falcons it doesn't usually happen for them so you know it could have been that but yeah look he didn't look great I don't know if Kamara looked you know that great again they had trouble running the ball which I'm sure they're going to have trouble this week too because the Bucks. that's one thing that the Bucks do but for me I don't know man I could see this just I could see Peyton being pissed and Breeze being pissed and there being a lot of offense coming out you know in the passing game here and again yep. vice versa you know the Saints they they have a great run defense. The pass defense is okay, but you take Lattimore out of that game. Their their other cornerbacks are not good. It is not something, and especially you've got two elite wide receiver with Evans and Godwin. And good to see OJ Howard finally get back involved now that he was back healthy. You know he's had a missing persons report on him all year. So you know this is a game where you know I know the over under is high at fifty one and a half. It kind of feels like to me. And I, I said the same thing this you know past weekend where I I felt like man it's going to be tough to find an over under that. I'm not going to like the over, even though I usually like unders on the Cardinals Bucks game. And again, it hit because it's just what's going to happen. The Bucks are like just a, a dream for overs because they have the perfect sort of setup there. So <laughs> perfect formula. Yeah. Exactly. Winston, you can score at ease and also help the other team score. So, right. Uh, and even if you're like, well, you know, you don't know whether or not it's going to get there. Winston will give you a pick six. He'll throw one in for you just to, <laughs> just to make sure you get there. Let's move on here to the Cardinals at the 49ers. 49ers are laying 13 and a half points with the over under at 45 and a half. Cardinals coming off that tough loss we just talked about against the Bucks, And Patrick Peterson hurt his calf in this game. I'm not sure if he'll need to miss it or how serious it is. I haven't seen anything yet today. The running game struggles predictably against the Bucks, But, you know, in particular, David Johnson looks terrible. He barely touches the ball. He can't get anything going. Kenyon Drake largely leads the way here. Meanwhile, we have not yet seen the 49ers play this week. They play tonight against the Seahawks, but sounds like George Kittle may miss the game. He's doubtful coming in, but they are getting much healthier back on the offensive line, and I think Kyle Juszczyk is probably going to return here. That makes a big difference for them, especially in the running game. So they were 10-point favorites in Arizona a couple of weeks ago on that Thursday night, 13-and-a-half here with the over-under at 45-and-a-half. How do you feel? Yeah, I mean, again, that seems... That, that line totally makes sense. I think they just took that, you know, 10 points and then kind of threw in three there for uh, home field. But um, it is interesting. I, again, I think if you like the Cardinals, bet this at 13 and a half because it's not going to – it's not going to go over two scores. And there's a, I think there's a chance that if Seattle beats San Francisco or upsets them, this gets knocked down maybe closer to 10 and a half. I, I would be shocked if anything happens to in tonight's game that would warrant them moving the Cardinals over 14 points. So Yeah, that's I my question. If they come out tonight and they just blast the Seahawks, right, and they win yeah. by like 20 points, do you think, you think it still wouldn't get over uh, two touchdowns? I think they would move it to 14 I, because, I don't know, man. This, I think it would take a lot to get over 14 and a half because it's a division game, and we've seen Kyler Murray in garbage time right. be able to move the ball up and down the field. And, we're, and, you know, it's in the back of betters' minds, the Thursday night game only a few weeks ago where they covered the back door uh, pretty easily there late. So I think it would be sh- – I'd be shocked if they made it over 14 at any point I, I think this is probably more inclined to go down if they lose if they if they win by like 35 points you're right maybe they do have to uh have to move it I, I guess this is also based on the fact that I kind of I think Seattle hangs around uh in this Monday night game so I think it'll probably end up closing at 13 and a half but I could see if Seattle wins outright I could see it getting closer to 10 and a half 11 something like that yeah, and I kind of like the Cardinals here. I don't love them, um, but 13 and a half, that's just so huge. And, and yep. I, I mean, you kind of 
pointed out with Murray there, I mean, they were pretty dominated in that game um, on Thursday night. And then just at the end, you know, you had the really long touchdown to Isabella, I believe. And this all of a sudden, it was a, a really tight game going into the end, even though it looked like the 49ers were just going to, you know, blow the roof off. So um, it is one of these games where you get a point spread that high, teams that know each other, you could easily see the backdoor cover. So Yeah, I mean, if Cliff Kingsbury doesn't ice his defense before halftime, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what right. happens in this game? It, 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 it could have been even closer, so... I actually, you know, not to get off on a tangent, but I actually, I, I took a lot out of that, the fact that they came out in the second half and played well, because you do that, and that's just like, you just feel like you're just, the whole team spirit would be broken, right? You get yeah. the big fourth no, down rallied. stop. Yeah, yeah, they rallied. So it did show me a little something, both about the team and Kingsbury, frankly, the fact that they were able to make the comeback despite that awful, awful timeout that he called right at the end of the half. <laughs> Before we finish up with our last few games, I want to remind everyone about our November giveaway. It is a signed Odell Beckham Jr. Cleveland Browns helmet. It is running through November 30th, so you can go to bettingpros.com slash contest for more details. But to enter, just leave a review for the show on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher and send a screenshot of that review to contest at bettingpros.com. Now, an entry into any contest gets you automatically entered into all future contests. So even if you're mad at Odell Beckham for his lack of stats this year, you probably want to be entered for our next giveaway anyway. Now, the Beckham helmet and all of our signed helmets come from Pristine Auction, where they offer a ton of great memorabilia with thousands of auctions every day. And when you go there, use our promo code BETTINGPROS and win a free $5 voucher instantly. That's pristineauction.com, P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, auction.com. All right, let's move on here to the Patriots at the Eagles. Patriots currently laying three with the over-under at 44.5. That's dropped, by the way, a little bit from the look-ahead, which was 46. So now it's 44.5, and and the line was 3.5. It's dropped down to three. Patriots coming off their first loss of the season against the Ravens last week. Now they've got a bye to lick their wounds. Meanwhile, the Eagles also off a bye and their win against the Bears. Uh, Things still just don't look quite right for the team, especially on offense. It's inconsistent without Deshaun Jackson stretching the field. He's now on IR. Alshon Jeffrey is still a little banged up now, I believe, with his ankle. But they're getting a little healthier in their secondary. So what do you think here about the Pats laying three and the over-under at 44.5? Uh, yeah, I'm surprised it's, it's three. I thought it would be closer to four, four and a half. Um, I mean, we certainly saw what happened the last time, uh, the Eagles were an underdog and both teams had a week to prepare, uh, Super Bowl 52. So, uh, this is a, it's a very different team. Um, you, you nailed it. Like the offense has really struggled to find its identity in the passing game. I think their running game, they've really kind of figured that out. And, And Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard are kind of coming along. Uh, in their big wins, they've done it with running the ball and being very physical like they did in Green Bay. Um, the passing game just hasn't gotten into a great flow. I mean, it, zero production really out of the receivers, Alshon and, and Nelson Aguilar. And Matt Collins is just, I don't know, he's just getting his Fitbit steps in out there. I don't know what he's doing. I th- he's like setting the record for most snaps with <laughs> combined with least production on the yeah, season. I think it's insane. Like not e- not even targets. It's one thing yeah. if like okay the guy's got a case of the drops. They don't even look at him. I don't know why they're running three wide receiver sets if you're not going to pass to him. Just replace Goddard or you know or I mean so yep. just like bring Goddard in as the third receiver and just split him out. It makes no sense that Matt Collins is seeing the field now. They bring in Jordan Matthews who. Again, not amazing by any means, but at least someone that, uh, you know, that Wentz will probably end up throwing the ball to. On the other side, the Pats, I mean, historically, you love 
to take the Pats coming off a loss or coming off a bye. Uh, certainly big game for them. I think they'll be fired up uh, for this game, as the Eagles are as well. Their kind of playoff lives are on the line these next few games. So, yeah, I thought it would be a little bit higher. I thought it would be closer to four. So I'm a little surprised at three. If you like the Pats, I, I don't see it getting below a field goal. So if you can get a minus three now at decent juice, I think bet it now. I completely agree with that. I was surprised to see the number at where it's at. I love them uh, laying three. I completely love them. I just don't feel like this is really something that the Eagles are going to be able to do. They're going to run the ball, which, you know, you can run a little bit on the Patriots if that's if that's the spot to attack them. But it's not like they have this dominant rushing attack. I mean, Jordan Howard is good. Miles Sanders is good. But it's not like, you know, you don't have Ezekiel Elliott or Dalvin Cook or anything back there. And, you know, the Pats, you know, you give them an extra week to prepare for that secondary, who cares that they are not going to be able to run the ball? That's what the Eagles do. They stop the run. Who cares? I mean, they, the Pats can barely run the ball as is <laughs> anyway, regardless of the matchup. You know, once they lost James Devlin, it was all downhill. So they're going to pass. They're going to figure out a way to beat it. So for me, yeah, I love the Pats um, at three. Uh, I was surprised that the number wasn't higher. And certainly I, I don't see it getting any lower. So if you like the Pats, like both of us do, I'd get in on it now. Yeah. I mean, uh, I would say this. I, I think um... – for the Eagles, their formula to, to victory, I think, comes through the defensive line in that pass rush. It's slowly, like Fletcher Cox came into the season banged up, and he's slowly gotten healthier and healthier and looked more productive and more productive. Uh, and you saw kind of even what they did to Chicago's offensive line. Now, granted, Chicago, way worse on offense than uh, the New England Patriots. But I think if they can get pressure to Brady, uh, you've seen this year that he has had trouble dealing with it. So I think if they're going to win this game, it's going to be through the defensive line. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And certainly, you know, hopefully Jim Schwartz can, you know, hold off his just inclination <laughs> to blitz every single play and just, you know, try to get pressure with their line without all the blitzing because, you know, the one thing that Brady can do is he can beat the blitz. But if you can get pressure on him as, you know, has been the book on him for years, the 30 years that he's been, you know, torching my Jets in this league, um, it's that if you can get pressure on him with just a four-man rush, he gets a little, you know, a little shaky in the pocket. So we'll see if the Eagles can do that. Moving on to the Bengals at the Raiders. Raiders here laying 10 and a half points. The over-unders at 48 and a half. I mean, I still feel like just to show you kind of like the natural kind of bias I feel like that I still have in my head I'm like Raiders 10 and a half point favorites like what what is that without realizing that the Raiders are kind of slowly becoming a pretty good football team I mean their offensive line has been dominant it opens up huge holes for Josh Jacobs it allows Derek Carr plenty of time to throw they've got enough playmakers on offense Tyrell Williams not sure if he's 100% still battling from that plantar fasciitis but Darren Waller is elite Hunter Renfro starting to come on Zay Jones is a body who's out there and their defense kind of just holding their own a bit you know they're not getting embarrassed at least uh unlike the Bengals who were completely embarrassed by the Ravens this past week um at least Joe Mixon gets a lot of work and he gets going there but it's a little bit unfair to judge uh Ryan Finley off this game I feel like it's a really tough you know to just be like hey here you go come after a defense that knows us really well and that's probably gonna be ready to destroy us so the defense though it continues just they can't tackle they continue to be a sieve so how do you feel here a big number Raiders laying 10 and a half with an over under at 48 and a half yeah I think I had the same uh preseason workup that you did on the Raiders I was just so out on Raiders yep. and Gruden and I, and I, I thought it was really going to be a disaster and they've seemingly kind of uh righted the ship I I finally adjusted you know kind of where I had them at and had them last week against the Chargers um, now they're coming off Thursday night rest, which I always like to factor that in a little bit because 
you know, that mini buy. Uh, if you look at teams coming off Thursday night, I, I don't have it in front of me, but it's usually in that 55 to 60% against the spread. So you want to get a little point or two there. I wouldn't be surprised if this line goes up a little bit um, because of how bad the Bengals looked in a game where they should have had a little bit of motivation. They were at home, huge dogs, and the Ravens just came in and, and cleaned their clock out. Uh, historically in the NFL, if your team if you're a team who's underperforming the spread uh, by more than 21 points, and then you're getting more points uh, the next week, usually there's value uh, on that team. I don't know if that's the case with this Bengals team. Uh, they're going to go out West non-division opponents. I, I could see some motivation issues for this Bengals team and, and the Raiders. They're kind of in the uh, quietly in the AFC West, uh, yeah. you know, running. Um, so don't look now. They're kind of in that mix. I think, you know, they got a couple of home games back to back here. Um, so I think they're really in a, in the driver's seat in a weird way. Uh, definitely didn't see that coming. So I think the Bengals line could go up. If you like the Raiders, I don't know if you're going to do better than 10 and a half. Uh, I, I'm telling you that when all is said and done in this game, I'm going to be wind up backing the Bengals and I'm going to be really mad at myself. Like I pretty much am every single time I back yeah. the Bengals. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I, 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 it's hard to, I mean, look, I could see some sharp money because I'm sure, you know, the, some models that people are going to have are going to say that this game should probably be closer than it necessarily is. So I, I could see some money coming in, but I'm inclined to agree that I don't th- see this getting back down to the key number of 10, and I could see it easily going up a point or two. So I, I'm basically going to try to resist the urge to take the Bengals as long as I possibly can and hope I get more to like 12 or something like that, in which case I'll be like, well, I, there's too much value. I, I cannot do this. But Well, it, yeah, and and sorry, real quick, like the couple things that jump out at me right away here is look at how the Bengals struggled against the tight end and, and just poor tackling. And if you have poor tackling against Josh Jacobs and Waller, I think that's right, you know, that's that's the bread and butter for the Raiders team. It's really the tackling, man. It's so, and I, I've talked about this a couple of times, but, you know, because it hasn't always been terrible. Like, it wasn't that terrible, like, in their first game against the Seahawks, and then they came out in the second game against the 49ers. It was like, do you know how to tackle right now? What's happening? And it looked like that again against the Ravens. So, I, yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I get it. But, you know, look, the Raiders' defense is certainly not you know, impenetrable by any means. Um, you know, they're pretty good against the run. But Mixon, you know, whether it was the Ravens taking their foot off the gas, I mean, he certainly, at least he got the workload and he's a talented back and he was able to, you know, certainly put up a lot of stats uh, in yesterday's game. So, you know, and Finley, he obviously didn't look good, but he was able to move the ball a little bit. So, you know, I do think they'll be able to put up points here, but it's certainly something where I, I probably don't want to, but in the end, as long as it stays above 10, I'm probably going to wind up holding my nose and taking the Bengals, and then you and I are going to talk the next time you're on and say, can you believe I'm still looking to take the Bengals on a terrible bet? Um, let's move on here to the Bears at the Rams. Rams are laying six and a half. The over-under has come down from 42 to 40 and a half. The Bears finally show a little life on offense uh, after a slow start against the Lions yesterday. They lighted up offensively a little bit with Mitchell Trubisky throwing for three touchdowns. Uh, The defense continues to be adequate, not spectacular, but certainly adequate. Meanwhile, the Rams, they're just an utter disaster offensively. I mean, Blake Bortles played in the game against the Steelers. That really should tell you all you need to know about where they're at. They've had an injured and a poor offensive line all year long. It got worse yesterday. 
with some more injuries. They just cannot protect Jared Goff, and that is a worrisome thing with Khalil Mack getting ready to play. Uh, the defense does continue to play well here. I mean, uh, you know, since they added Jalen Ramsey especially, they've been they've been pretty solid, um, but things are just not there right now for the Rams, so it's a pretty big spread. I mean, they are at home. I believe this is the Sunday night game, so laying 6.5 with the over-under at 40.5. Yeah, I mean, I guess this feels um, a little high initially. Uh, and again, it's it's we're in a weird spot with Trubisky. I mean, the guy throws three touchdowns and no interceptions. But if you ask any Bears fan, there's no way they they would be happy if you named Chase Daniel the starter uh, for this game. And and you you highlighted a great matchup and one I'll probably be looking to dive into more on my podcast. And that's the Rams offensive line. I was all over Pittsburgh last week uh, because I thought, you know, TJ Watt, he'd be able to get some pressure on Goff. And Goff doesn't do well with pressure. And the offensive line has just really struggled um, to protect him and to give him time. I mean, like he really needs a lot of time to make the throws and to have Sean McVay explain uh, what the defense is. He needs he needs a lot of time on the offensive side of the ball. And the Bears should be able to get some pressure against the Rams. Um, Chicago fans could show up there um, in Los Angeles. I think the I think the Bears fans will show up for a game. That, you know, if you're living in Chicago, you're looking for an excuse to go out to Los Angeles and watch this game. So I think this could get down a little, um, not certainly down to a field goal, but I wouldn't be surprised if this gets down to a four and a half. Uh, I don't see enough people backing the Rams to move this up to seven. If anything, I think it'll go down a little bit. No, I agree. I don't think it's going to get to seven. I just, you know, this is a tough game because, you know, you look at it and you really, really see that the Rams are going to struggle to do anything offensively because Goff is just going to be running for his life. And again, I assume Brandon Cooks is going to be out for this game. Josh Reynolds played okay yesterday, but I assume Cooks, who's still suffering from the concussions, if he plays at all this year, he, I really would be shocked if he plays this game. And, you know, the Bears, Trubisky, he was kind of like a, a batter in baseball that got really hot for like a really brief stretch, yeah. right? He, it yep. was like suddenly things looked okay, and he, he kind of was like, oh, all of a sudden I'm comfortable. This I could just do this and this and this. But I don't think that you can expect that to last. As you mentioned, I'm sure Bears fans are surely looking for someone else to take over as quarterback at some point. To me, again, with 42, I liked that over-under at 40 and a half. It's low, but I, I'm still kind of feeling the under on it because I, I do think that this yeah. is going to be a game where neither team is going to be able to score. So uh, of either of these um, lines, you know, the, the spread, it seems high to me. I agree, but I don't know if I have the intestinal fortitude to take the Bears. <laughs> but I do think I still like the under, even though it's dropping to 40 and a half. I still think above 40, I still think I like it because I could see this, you know, again, being a game that's just not particularly high scoring. Let's move on here to our final game, the Chiefs. At the Chargers on Monday Night Football, the Chiefs here are laying three and a half. That's down from four and a half. And the over-under is at 53. Really tough loss for the Chiefs yesterday. We talked about it. They had that game for the vast majority yeah. of it. But <laughs> then, the you know, the offense looked pretty standard. Patrick Mahomes back under center. Running game still a little weird. You had LaShawn McCoy inactive, a healthy scratch. Damian Williams was fine, although he did fumble. The issue is really their defense. They can't stop anyone. They had success in recent weeks a bit more when they were blitzing all the time, but it's certainly not an elite unit and far from it. Meanwhile, the Chargers come off the Thursday night loss to the Raiders. Probably the worst game I've ever seen Phillip Rivers play it. I said that on last night's podcast. I mean, 
he was just brutal in that entire game, especially in the last two minutes. Uh, but, you know, their offensive philosophy, they've kind of, with the switch and coordinators, they've gotten back to what they do best, which is running the ball. And now that Melvin Gordon has kind of had his quote-unquote, you know, preseason, he kind of looks back to where he was. Um, they continue to struggle defensively, though, a bit better with Melvin Ingram out there, but they've had injuries all year that killed them. So how do you feel here? The Chiefs on the road at the Chargers, although, again, there really is no home field for the Chargers at all. They're laying three and a half with an over under really high of 53 yeah i mean i yeah this is going to be all chiefs fans uh for monday night because chiefs nation definitely travels so that's always annoying to play uh you know to bet on a home dog and then it's not really it doesn't really feel like a home game the chargers have really struggled at home against the spread you mentioned it worst game i've seen out of philip rivers but i think philip rivers he's been struggling and this, this could kind of be one of the last seasons for Phillip Rivers. I mean, that 2004 draft class does feel like it's kind of on its last legs. Um, so I don't know how many great games he has in the tank, but I think if you're a Chargers backer, you're excited at the matchup because you have Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler, and those are, those are two running backs that the Chiefs really, I think, will have trouble uh, handling. You know, I mean, that was the... T- Tennessee's game plan is like, hey, get Henry involved and use that running game to set up the passing game. I think this could get down to three. Um, I, I would be surprised if it goes below three because you still have Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes, um, you know, Andy Reid uh, with a little extra time to prepare. Uh, granted, the Chargers also have that, but I think, you know, Andy Reid is a much better coach than Anthony Lynn. Uh, so interesting matchups to kind of look at. I think if the Chargers are looking to cover and win, you're going to do it through a running the ball. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if this gets down to three, four and a half, uh, which I saw some places opened it yep. up as. Uh, mm-hmm. That seemed too high to me, uh, and I, I I wouldn't be completely surprised if it goes below under three. Um, yeah, I think if you like the Chiefs. I would wait. I don't I don't see it going too much higher for the Chargers. Yeah, this strikes me as something where I think the public is probably going to like the Chiefs and the sharp bettors are probably going to like the Chargers at anything above a field goal. Because, you know, it is a matchup here where it sets up pretty well for the Chargers. Again, they're, they know what they're doing now. They're going to run the ball. And again, you know, look, Rivers has not been good. The only excuse I will make for him, just, you know, whether or not he's, you know, starting to near the end, which, I mean, eventually he will. I mean, he's in his late 30s, of course. Not everybody can be Brady, but um, their offensive line has been terrible, and he's running for his life nonstop. But Keenan Allen did look healthier, at least in this past game. Hunter Henry has really, really been good um, since he's been back. They still have Mike Williams. So it is a game, frankly, that, you know, other than the fact that Patrick Mahomes can, you know, whip off, like, you know, just a, a short, you know, pass to McCole Hardman, who just outruns everybody, or Tyree Kill can just outrun everybody. It is a game that I feel like kind of sets up okay for the Chargers coming off the mini bye yeah. um, with the Thursday night game. But it's not, I don't really know whether or not I, I'm going to be able to pull the trigger again. I, I do think that this is probably not I, – I could see it maybe going to four depending on how the money comes in, but more likely I agree that I think it would be more like a field goal. So I don't think there's any rush to bet on this one. But um, at three and a half, again, I think you're going to see more of the public backing the Chiefs and more of the sharp money probably backing the Chargers. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Well, I really appreciate you coming back on, Sean. Remind everyone where they can find more of you and your work. Awesome. Yeah, well, uh, check us out over at sportsgamblingpodcast.com. 
We do a weekly DFS, weekly college, and weekly NFL picks podcast. And yeah, give me a follow on Twitter at Sean T. Green or follow the podcast at Gambling Podcast. All right, man. Hopefully we can do it at least once more and you can be the first four-time guest, I believe. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh. You're making history. All right. All right. Thanks again for coming on. Awesome. Thanks again to the sponsor of today's show, BetMGM. Remember to download the BetMGM Sports app and use the promo code HARRIS to get your risk-free first wager of up to $500. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast and send a screenshot of that review to contest at bettingpros.com for your chance to win a signed Odell Beckham Jr. Browns helmet. We'll be back later this week giving some of our best bets for Week 11. I'll talk to you then.